As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, episode number 147, playoff episode number 5. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris, Britt Giroli here with you. It is Friday, October 2nd. We are moving through this wild card round, and it was a wild day on Thursday. A lot of exciting games to talk about. we got a few Game 3s coming up on Friday to get ready for as well. Let's get right into it. Let's start with the Padres-Cardinals game which was bananas for a whole lot of reasons. And I think the best stat I saw today came from Sarah Langs on Twitter, at Slangs on Sports, if you're looking for the very phonetic handle there. Fernando Tatis and Will Myers both hit two home runs in this game. It's the first time teammates did that in the postseason since October 1st, 1932, when Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig did that. It's amazing that it was actually on the same day, too, with these games both being on October 1st. Uh, But here's the thing that I'm still kind of laughing about. Trevor Rosenthal, Britt, who you saw with the Nationals last year, is an important reliever on a team that a lot of us like to make a deep run in this postseason. And this game was back and forth, and Rosenthal made it very interesting until the very last out. Yeah, you know, guys, I'm I'm as excited as everyone else that the Padres won that game. My main question, though, is that it was a nail-biter, and they scored 11 runs. So who pitches for them now in Game 3? Yes, they had to get there. I get that. Uh, but they're missing two very important starters already. We know this. They had they already used Paddock. They already used Davies, who started tonight uh, and did not look sharp. Obviously, early they fell behind six to two pretty early on. Um, as as fun as this offense is, as much as I want the Slam Diego Padres to continue, um, I, I'm very worried about what they do tomorrow in an all hands on deck situation because tonight was all hands on deck. So you know. If you're the Padres and you're Jace Tingler, like who who is who do you pitch? Like who how do you even navigate through this game right now? It's gonna be tough. Uh Richards Richards threw three pitches. So I think he's on board for an inning or two. Um Adrian Morahan, they've been careful with, so maybe an inning from him. And then I as tough as it sounds, I think 
you might have to, you know, and what's funny is front offices do this. They will write a plan down. They will write a plan and give it to their manager. Um, and maybe some organizations differ with like how much power the manager has to change that plan. Like famously, Dave, David Roberts maybe has less power to change that plan. And famously, probably, um, you know, nationals managers have had more power in the past because it's a little bit slightly different organization. I would say that uh, with AJ Preller at the helm, Tingler is going to be able to have some autonomy when it comes to changing the plan. But I think the plan will be Patino, Morahan, um, Garrett Richards. You go righty, lefty, righty. Maybe it's Morahan, Patino, Richards, something like that. You, you, you mess with the righty, lefty thing. And that means that Patino and Morhan, two rookies, they throw real hard. They have a lot of stuff. They don't always have the best command, but it's going to be on the backs of two rookies. And one last note about Trevor Rosenthal. There, uh, since he entered the league, um, minimum 200 innings thrown by relievers. He has the 16th worst walk rate, um, of, of any reliever <laughs> like that. And the other 15 that are ahead of him are out of the league. So that was always we all you know that's a thing. I mean you watched him. He had the yips last year. It, and he had the yips tonight. Right? Yes. yes. Do you do you trust him? I was like, oh, there's Trevor Rosenthal. <laughs> I mean, he's pitching against his, his former team, right? He's from Lee Summit. Like there's a lot, I'm sure, going going on pitching against the Cardinals in that scenario, but man, he looked shaky. And we know yeah. the velo's there, right? We know the impressive fastball is there the issue is he just doesn't know where it's going sometimes and i don't know if i trust him i don't know if they're gonna have a choice though like you said there's gonna be a plan there's not gonna be too much variance just based on the workload here um the good news is their offense is finally hitting the bad news is guys where did the cardinals offense come from I've been very surprised i i know that playoff yachty is way better than regular yachty um but still, up and down this Cardinals lineup, their defense obviously has improved vastly as well. San Diego's made a lot more errors, I feel like, overall in these first two games. But St. Louis hitting might be one of the bigger surprises to me uh, in all of this postseason. Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt had a big home run, almost brought the Cardinals back in this one. Uh, you look at Dylan Carlson, we talked about him being in that cleanup spot. He didn't do much in Game 2, but did draw a couple of walks. Um, Colton Wong homered in this game. I mean... I think what it is, it's a little bit like what we talked about with the Cubs, where the Cardinals do have a few older players who've underperformed this season. If they get something closer to their previous norms, then the offense wakes up a bit and becomes scary. But I think that's still pretty unlikely. I mean, we saw Matt Carpenter in that bat he had against Rosenthal in the ninth. He swung at a pitch that went about 56 feet. And I, I just, I, I don't think... The Cardinals are actually that good. And I know it's a dangerous thing to say in October because I've said it before <laughs> and they've magic. gone on to win with, yeah, with devil magic, with with <laughs> players magic. that you just don't think they can win with. So I think the silver lining here, and it's a good point with Patino, he hasn't pitched in the series yet. He's the freshest arm that the Padres have available. I don't know if they let him go more than about three innings if he's pitching well. Uh, most of the relievers they've used have gone one inning or less. Like So generally, even though it's going to be back-to-back-to-back for some of those guys, it's actually doable, relatively speaking. It wasn't like a situation like we saw with the A's where 
Liam Hendricks threw was it forty five pitches mm. on Wednesday, and, and then he, he came back and he, hit hundred yeah. today. He was forty nine, forty nine, hundred today. Really good. I mean, the, the A's. Hey, look, the, the A's exercised some playoff demons today, and I feel yeah. like I, I feel like it, it took a long time to watch that one play out. That was it. Felt like that was the slowest game I've ever watched, but. No, the slowest game you ever watched was that Cleveland Yankees game. I, I know. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I was flipping back and forth, though, on that one. I, the problem with the A's game is it was standalone. And the reason the reason why the A's game was so slow was a little bit different, right, than the Cleveland Yankees game. Because the Cleveland Yankees game, get in the box. <laughs> you know, the hitters are walking around in circles. The pitchers are looking at the sky. And you're like, what? Is there a game on? And, you know, you kind of like get on the get in the box, get on the mound. I think with the A's thing and the Sox today, it was a little bit different. I didn't, you know, these are young players, a lot of them, like most of them actually, because these are young teams. The difference was, I think they used 18 pitchers. Yeah, it was, it was the pitching changes. It wasn't pace of play. It was, it was, like right. it, it was this is an elimination change. game. Guys are getting hurt. We're trying to make adjustments. And uh, one bummer of a, a news item, aside from the fact that the White Sox were eliminated, Garrett Crochet left with forearm tightness, hopefully... That doesn't end up and, being anything serious, but that was a big blow for them early on in that game. And it ended up being a really big blow because they had planned they planned to go to a bullpen game, bullpen game because Crochet was actually warming as Dane Dunning was pitching. And, you know, I don't think that one or two runs would have decided that game. As much as I like the bullpen strategy, I don't think the White Sox, A, had the bullpen depth to... You saw it. They, they don't. They don't have the bullpen depth to really do a full nine-inning bullpen game. You don't really want to do that in an elimination game if you don't have to. Like, the Cardinals are favored tomorrow because, in some on some level, because they have Jack Flaherty going as opposed to, you know, all-hands-on-deck bullpen type thing. And, um, you know, you don't think that one or two runs is going to finish that game off. So I would have let Dane Dunning go for an inning or two, even if I was going to go to Crochet. And what happens is you go to crochet and the, this guy sits 99. So all of a sudden he's sitting 96 and they pull him. And then it just was downhill from there. Just reliever change after reliever change. And the, it proved they didn't really have the bullpen depth to sustain that strategy. And I would also say one last thing. I've been fascinated by like what good coaching is and what good coaching looks like. And I think a lot of it is soft skills and people skills. And I'm not yelling at Rick Renteria for pulling guys out early or leaving guys in too long or whatever it is that people are yelling about. I'm yelling at Rick Renteria for those squats he was doing and the like the body language he was giving off, dude. That dude looked nervous. Every time they they showed Rick Renteria, I got nervous and I didn't care, you know, about what was going to happen, you know. Yeah. So I think you know there's a lot to be said for uh, Bruce Bochy. You know, I, I, it's weird to bring up Bruce Bochy here, but Bruce Bochy, uh, like, I, I don't think you can hear his heart rate. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things that pounds like once an hour. And that's, I think that's been a good thing for him in, in the postseason. He never won, um, a, a manager of the year. Wow. Stupid, stupid award. He never won managers of the year in San Francisco. But then he goes to the postseason, he's just like steady Eddie, dude, and like, you know, super calm. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, Boach, we love it. Yeah, guys, Eno voted for manager of the year, for those of you who are wondering why that was laced with sarcasm. My kid took the Um, fart gun. And I've been laced with sarcasm. (laughs) Yeah. The fart gun has gone missing. I would do the fart gun. (laughs) 
the fart gun, for those of you who don't know, is from the movie Despicable Me, which is not a children's movie. It's for everyone. So <laughs> carry on, Britt. Oh, I've actually never seen it, so oh. I'll, I'll add it to my yeah, list. It's okay. I know. It's okay. I know. I'll add it to my list. Good. No, but the interesting thing with Renteria, I'm glad you brought it up. You know, one, he's getting skewered by the White Sox media um. already for those decisions. And two, this is the first time he's ever managed a good team, mm-hmm. a team with any kind of expectations. You know, they, and so people are kind of wondering, is he the manager of the next really good White Sox team, right? Because be a we, scapegoat, right? You, you, right. Like you're looking at this White Sox team and okay, this should be the beginning of it all, right? They're similar to the Blue Jays. We think this is just the tip of the iceberg of a, of a, of a long few years, at least of them being good and being competitive. You look at this lineup, you look at some of the talent uh, that they have pitching wise as well. And, you know, do they make a, a managerial change? Was Renteria the placeholder until they got good? They got good probably a little earlier than people expected. It's kind of an interesting storyline to follow. I don't know his contract status. Um, I don't know where they are with that. But why not get a, a veteran guy? And I think it's also really interesting to bring up uh, the Blue Jays and on Montoyo, Charlie Montoyo, because I've been on the Rays Zooms all week, right? And... um They've been there have been like Blue Jays writers coming in to ask about Charlie Montoyo, and every Rays player has gushed about Charlie Montoyo, and Kevin Cash has gushed about Charlie Montoyo, and like Kevin Cash, everyone thinks is brilliant, and if he thinks Charlie Montoyo is good, and the Rays hire great coaches, and if they think he's he's a great coach, like I don't actually think taking a guy out too early or leaving a guy out in too long or whatever it is. I don't actually think that's a great measure of a good coach. You know what I mean? I think that's how we skewer guys, but I don't think that's necessarily right. I think that they're, it's all reading the tea leaves and it's just, it's all revisionist history too. It's right. Like, oh, you, you left that guy in too long because he gave up a home run on the next guy. Well, is that it? Is that it? He's a bad manager because he let the guy in and the pitcher gave up a home run or, or would the, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I think Charlie Montoyo, um, seems to be a very good manager and with Renteria I'm just going to leave the door door open I don't know I don't know but I don't think that either way it's about you know a pitcher they left in too long nervous energy is contagious I think yeah. that's a, a fair statement to make and I got that vibe to watching Renteria I, I thought he got a raw deal on the north side of Chicago a few years back a one-year stint with the Cubs then Joe Madden became available and it was like the old trick that people used to pull in high school where you'd kind of secure a prom date and then someone better would come along and then your original oh, prom no. date would go with someone else because you <laughs> broke your plans. Like That's what the Cubs did to Rick Renneria. I thought that was always unfair. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good point. I mean, you know what, guys, is also getting shoved aside here is the fact that the A's finally won mm. a, a elimination game. And Melvin is cool, calm, collected, man. That, that you know, I don't think it's been on Melvin. Yeah. I think that I think it's more what Billy Bean says. My my poop doesn't work in the playoffs, right? Like he 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 builds teams <laughs> um that that are deep and platoon and do this and win the winnable games and blah 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 blah. And then when it comes down to it, you're like, "Who's your game 2 starter, dude?" Who are these guys? What's going on here? Like, you know, if this had been like a best of five series, you've been like, who's you're gonna you're gonna throw Shamanaya out there throwing 89 miles an hour tomorrow? Okay, good luck. I mean, is he is Shamanaya the game one starter in the division series? I hope not. Right. No, it's interesting. There are a whole bunch of no names. Liam Hendricks said uh, 
we we trust our bullpen with our lives, which is a good thing because they're starting rotation. Like you saw today a little bit. I mean, this was the first time in postseason history there's been two starters in a winner take all game that both didn't go two innings. Yeah, nice. Um and since so that's why the game took so long. Yeah. And certainly from the ace from the A side, you've got to be a little concerned about that rotation over a five game series now. Yeah, yeah. I mean Montas looked pretty good, and so maybe you've got uh Montas Lazardo, but you know, Lazardo looks like he can only go four. And Montas only went four, so basically your two best starters can go four. And Lou Trevino is the soft underbelly of that bullpen, and we saw that today too. So I, I don't actually get it. Sometimes you watch guys and you're like, Lou Trevino throws 95 and has three pitches, and he's not good. Yeah, what's up with that? What is that about? I don't know. <laughs> like how, how, how do it's you not have even tools? terrible command? It must be not good command, but I don't. it doesn't seem like it's not like Trevor Rosenthal bad command. It's, I I don't get it. I, I every year I think he's got oh, to be great or something. No, I don't know. That's got to be it. He's got to be tipping pitches. That's, there's no other explanation. Today? I don't know. He just like he just wasn't good. I don't know. But uh, good, yeah. Congrats to the A's for for winning a series finally. I, of course they do it the year that I finally pick against them. But yeah, whatever. The bracket, my bracket's probably busted at this point. Mine's completely broken, as uh, you might recall. I predicted an all Ohio World Series. Uh, you, Cleveland went out yesterday. The Reds didn't score a run in two games, so they didn't win a game. Didn't, uh, uh. didn't get a single game from my two World Series picks. I love this format, uh, but look, the, the Braves got a great pitching performance again. This time from Ian Anderson. I kept looking at him, and I, I, I yeah, think it's I was meaningful. I was locked into what we talked about on this show a few months ago. Like the the stuff just didn't seem like it was going to play up as much as it has to this point for him. It's really good command, though. It's really good command, but I I wonder, is it just a case where the book hasn't been written on him yet? He hasn't been up that long, right? Like That's always the question that you kind of come back to. In the short, short series, the Braves didn't have to get into that pitching depth. That's going to be a problem in a longer series, but they can score enough runs, I think. They can out-hit that pitching, so they're mm-hmm. still very dangerous, certainly capable of making a run, but... Uh, I've been blown away by Anderson so far. You know, I, I just I didn't expect to see what we got today. I think the one thing that's really interesting because somebody pointed out he has good command, but his walk rates in the minors have not always been great. And um, I was thinking, like watching him, I think his command is pretty good high in the zone. And I think the umpires in the minor leagues are not good. So you know, I mean, they're by definition not as good as the umpires in the major leagues, and we know what people think of the umpires in the major leagues. So. Um, <laughs> I, I think that maybe one place that the umpires in the minor leagues might not be as good is as high in the zone. You know, maybe they don't pitch as much as high in the zone, or maybe they're just getting to kind of get to used to that. So, um, I think if I were gonna uh, to to go against Ian Anderson, I would look for the fastball high in the zone. Um, of course, that makes you a little bit vulnerable to that straight change, which he'll also throw, um, you know, decently high. Uh, but if you can somehow spot the change up. Uh, and 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 focus on the on the fastball high in the zone. I don't think the curveball is great. Uh, it's just about where he puts it. It's not necessarily a great pitch by itself. So um, I don't know. I, I thought it was super important that Ian Anderson did that today. Um, the Reds' offense is not good, and uh, or it wasn't the good this year. It's possible there's some positive regression. Like, what do you guys think about the Reds' offense going forward? Do you think like next year they need to spend another you know fifty million dollars on a player? Or uh, just sort of wait around for some regression from like Nick Castellanos and Mike Mustakas. Mike Mustakas looked uh, not great physically. 
uh, this yeah. season and postseason. Yeah. So maybe you say, okay, Mike Moustakas comes back in good health. Suarez has a normal year again. And uh, Castellanos has some Babbitt regression. And we have a good offense again next year. Is that, do you, is that where you sit or... He is an option, doesn't he? Isn't, doesn't uh, Castellanos has, have an option or about to be an a free opt-out? agent? Isn't there a scenario where he's not there? I don't think anybody who has an opt-out is going to opt-out this year. You might be right. I think there's a scenario where he's not there next year, but you're right. The rest of the lineup is largely in yeah. place. I, They're going to deal with what a lot of teams are going to deal with. Like, how much do you make of a 60-game season, right? Joey Votto was yeah. saying, like, it would have evened out if we had played another 100 games. You know, the... The signs were there. They're last in the major leagues in in batting average. The team that relied the most on home runs, right? That the team that had I think had the worst batting average on balls put in play. Um, this series we should have seen coming. You knew their offense was bad. Um, you were just hoping it was more of an outlier. And now they're going to be forced to kind of sit back and say, well, "Were we just bad?" Or you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's a weird position to yeah. be in. You, you don't want to overreact. Like if you're the Twins, you know. Um, their their general manager uh, Derek Falvey said today, like we're going to look at you know this postseason thing, not being able to win, but also we can't just like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Still right? a, good, a team. good team, yeah, yeah. So yeah. right, so that that's like the weird balancing act that these teams are going to have to deal with now, especially the ones eliminated early on. Is okay. What do we make of this weird short season where nothing was right? Do we put a lot of stock into it? Do we put no stock into it? I've heard scouts call it extended spring training. Mm. So I mean, what do you do with that? You know, and what do you, I don't know what you do with that. I mean, it's obviously the Reds are, are missing Bauer, but they've still got a, a good core, right? They still got a, a good rotation, a good chunk of that lineup. I think Bauer's a really interesting question too, because Bauer, um, I think, has made it clear that he wants to pitch like every fourth day and be a crazy person. And um, we know he wants to be a crazy person. I think he's also made it clear that he wants to pitch every fourth day. And we, and we also know <laughs> that he wants to sign like a one-year $40 million deal. If you think about it, there's only like three or four teams that would do that. And I think the Reds would be one of them. Um, because you have to think about where a team is in the win cycle. You have to think about how open they are to weird ideas. And, uh, so I, I think that there's, I think that I, I wouldn't give the Reds like 50 50 chance, but I would say the Reds are the leader for getting Bauer back. And, um, I, so I then wonder if they have any money left to spend on offense or if they just sort of wait for the regression there. Um, but I think they're kind of a fascinating team to watch in the offseason. I think they do believe their win cycle is now. I think that's evident just by how they spent to get Castellanos and Mustakis. I think this is, an above-average offense over the long haul. I think there's a few things to look at for next season. Tyler Stevenson should give them an offensive upgrade behind the plate. Great catching prospect. I think there's one little boost there. Uh, Jesse Winker you know, missed a little bit of time, but he, he's good. He's good. Like, Jesse Winker's a really good hitter. Senzel could be maybe healthy for a full year and, 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 yeah. and do something good there. Yeah, and Eugenio Suarez, I think, is is Can more than than four percent above a league average hitter. Like, I yeah. think there's a bit more there. I think they had a bunch of guys who underperformed a little. They've got a couple of young guys who are going to play more prominent roles next year. Uh, that Mustakis contract from the day it was signed, I think there was some concern that you know years three and four might be a problem. I don't think anyone expected year one year to be one. a problem. <laughs> but the the question I have for you guys with the Reds, this seems like something that we sort of brushed aside and forgot about. They had a couple of instances, a couple of scares with COVID where it looked like players were going to be unavailable, whether that was you know false positives or uh, illnesses with symptoms similar to COVID. I don't know if we've ever fully been able to pin that down. 
But you do wonder if, if for teams that underperform for stretches, if that could be yet another unknown sort of reason or underreported sort of reason for players just not being themselves. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, Charlie Blackman was hitting 400 at some point, right? And and Freddie Freeman might win the NL MVP. But like... Ed- right, and he thought he was going to, yeah. you know, go in the middle yeah. of the night. Mm-hmm. So. And Eduardo Rodriguez, like, I think he just got cleared to walk. I, yeah. I, I read that sentence. I could, couldn't believe that. He got cleared to walk. He didn't. He wasn't in great shape before, and his knees were bad. Like he hasn't been walking. So um, yeah, I think it's uneven. Um, there's evidence of like myocarditis. We know that Edward Rodriguez has. We know that some people coming off of it are having uh, decreased lung function for a long time. Um, it's hard to kind of look at the play, the teams like the Marlins and the Cardinals and say, oh, well, they got it the worst and they're playing fine. So everything's fine. Um, you don't know, like, you know, some of those pitchers like Caleb Smith is not even with the Marlins anymore. And, uh, you know, there's different players and maybe it hurts pitchers or maybe it hurts hitters more than pitchers, right? Because pitchers, maybe I don't have to be as aerobic, you know, pitchers famously kind of stopped jogging. Remember pitchers had to jog all the time. And then teams were like, why are the pitchers jogging? When do they, when do they need to jog? Yeah. <laughs> you know? They never do. It's a, it's a game of short bursts. Exactly. You know? why, are yeah, they I mean... jog- why are they jogging in the outfield? Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's an open question for the Reds and, and maybe it's just one of those years where, you know, Joy Botto always talks about like, I get my swing in May and I don't know what the May was of this year, but I don't know if we had it. You know? <laughs> yeah. The Nats mentioned that a lot too. They were like Scherzer mentioned in September that he felt like it was May. Yeah. So I, I do think, I do think the start and stop is weird to, to make it, to change away from the, the downer of COVID onto a better topic. I am two two things I want your guys' quick opinion on. One, the Marcel Ozuna fake selfie, which I thought was terrific. <laughs> yeah, two, ESPN miking up players, which oh. I thought was horrific. Oh. Um, awful. Should never be done again. Super uncomfortable. Uh, starting with Justin Turner was really the first one I noticed um, last night or Wednesday night, I guess, uh, with the Dodgers. But today, obviously in Oakland, super embarrassing as well. I think there's, I think you kind of want to separate, uh, execution from, uh, concept, right? And there have been some problems with execution. Like Mark Conha, when he was doing his, apparently Bob Melvin didn't even know he was doing it. So that's a little bit weird. Your manager doesn't know about it. And then, Today, when they did Ramon Lariano, yeah, he blurted out a big cuss word. Uh, he got involved in like three plays. Uh, he had to throw a ball 97 miles an hour while he was mic'd up. Uh, he missed fixing his headpiece. He, yeah, he was, yeah, he fixed his headpiece while he was running for the catch. That's right. Yes. You know, that's, that stuff I don't like, but that's a question of, 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 um, of execution. And, and, you know, people, I think some of it was, went too far. Like they were saying, oh, he, they're asking Ramon Laureano about the weather. No, no, we're in California. That wasn't a question about weather. That was a question about air. Like we are, like today was a bad air day. We were at 150 AQI. Anybody in California knows you're not supposed to be really outside. You're know, supposed to limit your outside and they were playing outside. So that was a little bit more deep of a question. I thought some of the questions were all right. Like Ramon Laureano talked about positioning. He talked about Eloy Jimenez's foot and how well he was running. And he talked about some stuff that was kind of interesting. And so that's where we get, I think, to the concept. Because I was really uncomfortable with the concept. Because I was like, I want to know what players are thinking. And I want to hear this. But I feel dirty. Like, I feel like I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. I feel like I'm rubbernecking. I feel like I'm watching, like someone has let me into something that 
shouldn't be going on. Like, I definitely felt bad about it. And I wanted to go hug Loriano almost. Or, like, I wanted to go up to Loriano, just rip the thing out of his ear and be like, play ball! Like, what are you doing? What is this? <laughs> so I think I agree with you. I wanted to know it. And so there was, like, this disagreement on Twitter about, like, should we know these things? Do we deserve to know these things? Was this fun? They all agreed to it, so it's fine. I don't know if that's cool because... If a TV person comes up to you and asks you for something, a lot of players will say yes just to get on TV, you know. So I don't, I don't think it's just like, oh, he said yes, it's cool. Um, and I also don't think it's like, oh, I want to know it, so I should get it. I don't, I'm not that entitled, you know. <laughs> like, I'm not just like, give me everything. I'm a big baby. I want to hear exactly what Ramon Leonardo thinks right now, you know. So I, uh, I'm mostly against it as much as I like kind of enjoyed it a little bit. <laughs> I like the concept. I didn't like the execution. And I kind of just agree with the idea that it's not something we should be asking for in a playoff game. Having an interview with the manager or maybe the guy that pitched the day before in the dugout, no problem. There's no immediate impact on the game. Throw some seeds around, you know, have some banter. That's that's fine. That's that's close enough. I don't think we need to be closer than that. I think that's where (laughs) that's where the line is. And this again, like we're we're all people that want access, but that just seems like Like, abusing the (laughs) option. By saying, hey, hey, man, put this camera, uh, put this put this mic on and that's no no what is it? That slip was great. That slip was great. What's the next step? Oh, it's hey, going to be a camera. Hey, Mookie, little, can you put a cam- camera on your head? <laughs> yeah. Can you put a camera on your head while you're in center field, please? <laughs> that is what's going to happen. And it, yeah. that's too much, man. We'll probably get into this more on our episode this weekend as we preview the ALDS matchups. A lot of people are annoyed by the broadcasters throughout this postseason. A <clears throat> Rod. <clears throat> yeah, um, right. Mostly A Rod. I, I don't think anyone likes A Rod right now. But the ranking and the rankings, he's at the bottom. <laughs> I think everyone's looking for something a little bit different. We're not looking for A Rod, but we're all looking for something a little bit different with broadcasters. We're missing so, the crowd. We're missing the crowd, so we're focusing on them even more than usual, probably. Yeah, and I think is that why I th- I feel like they've been worse than any other mm-hmm. year. But their conditions are harder. I, I think the yeah. There's a lot of lot of space to fill now. <laughs> like there's, yeah, how good how good is it when like Vin Scully is like quiet, right? And you hear Dodger Stadium just like you know what I mean. Like they can't do that. Like they gotta fill the space. You can't let the game breathe as much. These yeah. some of these games have been really long uh, to to fill yeah, in the time <laughs> between pitches for four hours. When you don't have that team all season long, I think is actually really tough. And I haven't heard me just be like, "Get in the box!" <laughs> just, yeah, just be yelling from from the box. <laughs> Get in the box! I know you can hear me down there. <laughs> and I know, I know that they theoretically should be kind of used to it by now. But covering a game when you're not there, watching on a monitor and trying to call a game with someone else who's also remote, whose feed might not be synced up with yours, that's hell. Like. As someone who produces audio, I'm thinking through this in my head, and I'm thinking, holy crap, this is why this is such an awkward nightmare. No video cues. You're not looking at it. You can't even, yeah. you can't do that thing. Like, we we have Zoom on video, so you can do a little bit, like, kind of, like, lean forward or, you know, like, you spot, like, someone wants yeah. to talk, so then you kind of finish up. Yeah, none of that. So you're you're just in, in rooms, and, you know, sometimes, like, they had Dave Fleming fly to, what are they? Did you hear about this? They had Dave Fleming fly to Charlotte to do the game in Oakland. 2020. 
for a broadcaster <laughs> in one sentence. He Sorry. lives in San Francisco. Also, fans don't care, though. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You're getting Sorry. paid a you're lot right, of money. Right. Do, do yeah, a better, do job. better job. Do a better job. <laughs> As a consumer of the game, I kind of feel bad because I'm in the media. And like you guys said, it's hard. But as a fan of the game, like, do better. This was the year to experiment more. And we should talk about this more for the preview because, like, this was the year, in my opinion, to, to do the stats cast and to, I don't know, just inject more fun into the game. Interview fans at home. I don't know. Do something. It, it just seems so flat. Let us know well, how hey, you would fix it. Yeah, you just, I mean, you're saying do something, <laughs> and then you're skewering them for, for doing the doing the mic up, right? No? Okay. Do fair, something, fair. not that. Mic- mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything but no, that. But that's, that's why I think it, it's a bigger question that the baseball community should provide some answer for. Like, let's tell Major League Baseball, what what do we like, what do we dislike, but what should we try, right? I don't think anybody in this world wants more problems dumped on their lap or more complaints dumped on their lap. Like, bring people actual ideas and solutions. And I think we're at a point right now where everyone's so damn tired that they're probably going to give your idea an actual consideration and maybe actually try it. Like, it's, it's worth worth a shot. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, so we got a couple more things to get to. Cubs Marlins game two coming up on Friday. I don't know why they postponed that. There was rain, but it didn't seem bad enough to actually postpone a game. So we get Darvish versus Sixto uh, coming up on Friday afternoon. Pretty exciting. Really exciting pitching matchup. Everyone thinks Bowers the NL Cy Young winner. By the way, it's Darvish for me. If I had a vote, oh. I'd go Darvish over Bauer. Uh, it's close. As a voter, it's Bauer close. had the one seven five. He had the only guy who had the sub two ERA. That's pretty sexy. Yeah, I know. Darvish is just—I trust him more in in a big game. Believe it or not, uh, Brewers postmortem is coming up. Postseason? No, I know he's, he's pitched really well. Yes. But I'm just—I'm just saying, like going forward, like oh, I trust Darvish more than I trust Bauer. I think there's a, a better overall track record there that sort of breaks the tie when we're dealing with a dozen starts to choose. More, more good years, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what it yeah. is. Also. I love how Derek introduces the Dodgers game as Brewers postmortem. Clayton Kershaw is has vexed his playoff demons, and our Brewers fan host over here is like, "Well, the Brewers season is is kaput. Well, we can be way to bury the lead." <laughs> but Kershaw eight scoreless, pretty damn good. He looks great, and Woodruff was pitching really well in this game. If not for an error, maybe the Brewers would still be playing you know, into October for one more day. I, I don't think they were going to make a run anyway with the rash of injuries they've been dealing with. 
it was a poorly constructed offense that took a couple of hits it couldn't afford. And not having Corbin Burns was huge for this team as well. Uh, the full post-mortem, though, will be on the Section 422 podcast with Will Salmon, so we're not going to spend time on that. <laughs> I think the thing we should talk about is Kenley Jansen and the back end of the Dodgers' bullpen. As this postseason continues, what is the trust level that Dave Roberts and the Dodgers' front office should have in Kenley Jansen finishing out games? I mean, you know, we were talking before we started recording, he's not the same Kenley that he was at the beginning of the season. I don't know how I missed this because I think I, I, I checked in early on. I had Jansen, you know, this used to be a fantasy podcast, so I had Jansen uh, in a couple places, and he didn't really blow a lot of saves, right? He kept the job. I I, I, I checked some velo early on. I was like 91, 92. That's okay. I'm okay with it. Um, and then, you know, other teams got my eye late on the in the season. And he didn't lose his job. But holy crap, he, was, he sat 88 in the last game. Yeah. I feel like he's been a worry for them for a while now, right? He just hasn't been a sure thing. He certainly wasn't last year. Um, he's obviously a big piece of, if you know, if they want to win the World Series, they need to get him going. Um, the thing for me, though, that you got to take out of this series, because they didn't really hit that well, right? Against the Brewers, who Brendan Woodruff's got to be one of the most underrated, underappreciated starters in baseball. I think people who don't pay attention to the Brewers don't realize how good he is. Then he goes out there. And, you know, really deserved a better fate, right? I mean, that error, that double play that doesn't get turned, probably the turning point of the game there. But the Dodgers offense, this mighty offense, even yesterday against the the bullpen game, didn't really hit. So to me, what's, you know, obviously you look at Jensen and he's got to be able to turn it around. But if Clayton Kershaw, if this is the Clayton Kershaw you're going to get in the playoffs, combined with, you know, Walker Bueller and, and, you know, that Dodgers lineup, if they can really start hitting here. Uh, this team is going to be exactly what we thought they were. Yeah. Well, not any of us, because none of none of us picked them to win the World <laughs> Series. <but> <laughs> they haven't even used Dustin May yet, have they? Nope. They haven't, I, they no. haven't used Dustin May, and uh, hopefully they never have to use Joe Kelly. Um, <laughs> Again. <laughs> it's funny that he had, like, this whole thing where he's, like, making the crying face of the Astros when you're like, dude... If they had a choice, they wouldn't play you much. In fact, they had a choice and they didn't play you. No, I I, I do think the the underbelly is there, still there for the Dodgers, and it is it is the bullpen, and it is a, a slightly older team when it comes to offense. We haven't seen them hit so much, so it's it's still an open question how much they're going to hit in these playoffs. Um, other than Mookie, who's who's been great, um, and then there's an open question of like if you're in a five game series, can you play all these games with like Gonsolin coming in and Urias coming in and May coming in? Can you can you figure it out where you're like okay in game one we're gonna have uh, at this point I guess who would start game one maybe like Gonsolin and we'll do like Gonsolin May and that'll be great and then Urias will come in behind Bueller and then we'll have Kershaw in game three whatever it is. Can you play that for a five-game series, or will you come short? Or will you have to pitch Joe Kelly? Will you have to pitch Pedro Baez? Will you have to pitch um, Adam Kolarik? Oh, God, all those guys from last – those all those guys had a hand in blowing that game five last year against the Nationals. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. In a five-game series, they might have to start to show their heads. Yeah, I don't know. Derek, as the Brewers season here, the clock strikes midnight, and they're about to turn into a pumpkin. What a – what awaits us for the for the Milwaukee future here, in your opinion? I'm really not sure how much they're going to be willing to spend. I feel like a larger share of their revenue comes from 
drawing really well for a team in a market that size. And I wonder how much not having fans this year impacts them compared to a bigger market team with a bigger budget. They I spent- wonder if it'll be merely used as an excuse. Um, but, you know, they loaded up on temporary solutions at a bunch of spots. They got a little bit of money coming off the books. Ryan Braun's contract is up. There's a $5 million buyout, I think, on the final year. They're obviously going to pay the $5 million there. Uh, so they, they do have a little bit of flexibility. I, I think the problem is their window is now, too, much like the Reds we talked about before. And, you know, Lorenzo Cain presumably comes back after opting out this year. So that's a nice lift to the offense. Yelich, I think, bounces back. Like, there's still reasons to like Keston Hira, even though he was more bad than good in the aggregate so far. Woodruff and Burns emerged. Woodruff so like, and Burns are like legitimate one-two one, at the top. Yeah, and we yeah. talked about some of the bullpen guys they were throwing in game one, right? Rasmussen, Topa, Devin Williams, if that shoulder's okay. If they don't trade a hater this winter, they could have one of the league's best bullpens. I think they're still well-positioned. I'm just trying to figure out who they would even spend money on in free agency. I, it might be the trade route again. He's got no minor leaguers, though. Nobody wants their minor leaguers. They're bad. They spent uh, so much money on that uh, on Maryville too. That's one thing that worries me. You know, they spent so much money on Maryville. They haven't made any of their prospects any better in order to market them. I feel like, like, who is the best prospect for the Brewers right now? Is it like Lucas Urseg? Is he no, even- no, it's Bryce Terang, the, Bryce the young Terang. shortstop. Yeah, the speedy shortstop. I don't know if it's about trading a high-end player. I think it's more about trading a controllable position player. I think it's trading Keston Hira or something along those lines. Oh, big I mean, moves. People wouldn't have expected Trent Grisham to get traded going into last offseason, right? Yeah. So I think it's going to be something more like that. Maybe it is a hater trade. I don't know. Yeah. This has become the Brewers podcast. <laughs> Just get to the prediction segment. <laughs> I I should have known better asking about the Brewers for the end of the show. I didn't put them on the rundown. I I put <laughs> yeah. listen to the Brewers show if you want to hear All about the Brewers. <laughs> so this one's on. This one's totally on both of you guys. Uh, real quick from each of you, predictions for the games we have on the slate on Friday. Game two, Cubs Marlins. Britt, who wins that one? Marlins. All right, Marlins in a sweep. What Simple. do you think? Cubs. I'm all in. You Darvish, Cubs. Nope, Sicto is about to sick them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting loopy. I'm going to back Darvish, so I I think it's the Cubs, and I've been so right about predictions. um, I'm sure you can take that one to the bank. Flaherty versus Padres at all? Yeah. Flaherty, the Padres have no one to pitch. I mean, I just saw a quote from Jace Tingler that says, I have no clue who's pitching. It's going to be a long night. It's going to (laughs) be... Not exactly what you want to hear when you're in a winner take all. So I'm gonna have to go Cardinals. I think the the, the devil magic wins out. I'm gonna try and reverse jinx the Cardinals. I'll pick the Cardinals. I do think Flaherty, he's a top ten pitcher, so that's a huge advantage to have given the circumstances. What do you think? You know, I'm going to uh, a renegade beer of the week selection. <laughs> and uh, uh, I had a great beer tonight. It was um, a Green Cheek and North Park collaboration called Comforts of Repetition, a really nice West Coast IPA. Uh, and North Park uh, is a, a really great emerging brewery in San Diego, and I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to jinx in either direction. I don't want to try and reverse. I don't want to... I, I, I think Jack Flaherty is a really good pitcher, so... Uh, but I, I've always, you know, people on this podcast know I love Luis Patino. So 
I've been a little disappointed what he's done this year, but I could see him pulling um, something out of his uh, proverbial butt. What a cop out that was, you know. I, I would know, love to I see know. it though. I know. I, 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 I. Can I tell you guys a secret? Sure. We're not supposed to root, and <laughs> I shouldn't admit this, but like I'm kind of like I'm kind of rooting a little bit for the Padres, so. It's uncomfortable for me, so I'm not going to pick. All right, I think a lot of people are rooting for the Padres. I mean, they're so exciting. Tatis was or not. so amazing today, dude. Yeah, I've got family in San Diego, so I'm rooting for the. I mean, yeah, it, they're yeah. Like, it's just been bad forever, and they have no other sports. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. They lost their only. They lost their <laughs> no sports. one. Yeah. I just love that Tatis changed that narrative with the two home run game, right? Because I messaged you guys like, oh, he just struck out on three pitches against Austin Gomber. I think he'd stranded 10 runners in two games at that point. And you knew that was going to be the tagline of what's been a great season for him. So I'm just glad he turned it around, came through, played the role of hero in game two, and has a shot at advancing with the Padres in game three. That's the big star of the day tomorrow, I think. I mean, yes, uh, Darvish for 6 would be really fun. But, uh, you know, the night game is is the big one. If you're enjoying the show on a platform that allows you to rate and review the podcast, please take a moment to do that. We greatly appreciate it. If you are not already a subscriber to The Athletic, $1 a month will get you a subscription at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. It gets you all of Brit's coverage, all of Eno's coverage, everything we're doing for the postseason and for other sports as well. As always, hit us up on the email, ratesandbarrels at theathletic.com. On Twitter, she's at Brit underscore Giroli. He's at Eno Saris. I'm at Derek Van Riper, let us know, how would you fix the broadcast booth? What changes would you actually make? And, uh, you know, we'll try to talk about that a little bit as we get to the weekend. we got a couple of days off. We're back with you on Monday, previewing the ALDS. Enjoy the games on Friday. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. 